welcome to another episode of mornings with marla <laughs> um Man, okay, so today I really want to talk about uh, millennials and uh, me and my friend uh, Lee, who was on this podcast a couple episodes ago, <clears throat> we're talking the other day about just like burnout and millennials and how they're seen as like this lazy generation and all of this stuff. So I'm going to try and go into that a little bit. Um, I did was doing some research and watching some videos and like kind of put myself in a really shitty mood around it, but I think it's something to talk about because um, it's so common and it, and like, you know, me speaking about like mental health and depression and anxiety and stuff like that, and really trying to normalize it and um, just be this sense of like, you're not alone in this. Um, And I think like millennial burnout is a real topic around um, mental health and what what it's causing for, you know, people of our generation, which um, it was, let me see, I just looked this up. Um, the years 1981 to 1994, 96. So basically ages like 25 to 40 um, are classified as millennials. Um, And I feel like we've just kind of been through the ringer and been thrown into this society that um, we abide by the societal rules. And it's just not the same as previous generations. But before I get into that, (laughs) I really want to talk about Bridgerton because (laughs) At first, I don't know if any of you guys are watching Bridgerton on Netflix, like winter for me is my hibernation time and I watch a shit ton of Netflix and um, in the summer, like I barely watch TV, I'm always outside painting or doing something in the winter, it's dark super early and I'm just like, I'm going to curl up on the couch with a blanket and put my feet in my little feet soaky thing and make myself food and really just veg the fuck out and that's just like how I do it in summer, I'm like super fiery. Winter, not so much. Um, I also, you know, winter is more of like a seasonal depression time. And obviously I like navigate around that pretty well, but I just kind of lean into this (laughs) gluttonous um, TV time. So Bridgerton, I started it twice and I could not get through the first freaking episode. And I I just didn't, I couldn't get around like the, the time. I didn't, like there wasn't a character build quite yet. And someone told me to just stick it out for another episode. Oh my goodness. I was up. I never stay up past like 11. I was up till one o'clock in the morning. I couldn't stop watching the show. I have two episodes left in the first season and they're like, I think it's eight episodes and they're an hour each. So I probably watched like five hours of Bridgerton yesterday. Um, it's so good. It's so scandalous and so sexy and there's so much going on. And I'm just like, I need to see, I have this problem when I watch a show that like, I want to see the ending and I want to see how it turns out. So then I like, can't stop. Um, and then when I finish like an, a season of some, or like a one show or something like that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to pause for a while, but I just like instantly got hooked on this one. So if you haven't watched it yet, highly suggest, I just saw they're coming out with another season, which I'm excited about. Hopefully it's this winter. So I can just you know, indulge longer. Um, but yeah, I just had to share. Um, okay. So millennials and burnout. Um, so what I've been watching is like, there's a lot of people that are just exhausted and, um, the simplest task of uh, their example, I think it was like a CNN article or a Buzzfeed or something like that, or buzz. Yeah. Um, but it was just like the simplest tasks of like, 
returning an old phone because you got a new one and just putting that in the mail or getting your voter thing into the mail or um, mailing a birthday card or a present and how people have just been avoiding these super simple tasks in life because they're just so overwhelmed with everything else. Um, And like people are going in to see their therapists or like their mental health professionals and being like, I think I'm depressed. I'm just exhausted all the time. I can't get these tasks done and stuff like that. And um, a lot of times it's not depression. It's like symptomatic of depression, but it is um, a burnout where we are just working so hard for so little um, with like this and I might sound like a little pessimistic through this podcast, but no, I'm just trying to like give you the facts. Um, and this isn't the only way. And this isn't the only thing that's possible. Like I believe you can make your dreams come true and you should go for them and face those fears and, um, really just challenge yourself in that aspect of like, okay, I'm afraid to do this. How can I lean in more? Um, but what happens is what happened with millennials. That's a lot different than our parents' generation is we follow the criteria. You're, you finish high school, you pick a degree, you go to college, you finish college, you expect, and this was my mindset when I was 18 too. I'm like, oh yeah, $20,000 loan, epic, like gonna go shopping, put some of that into school, pay my rent, that kind of thing. Um, and you have this ideal in your mind, or at least I did. I just, I don't, I didn't understand. I'm 29 and I'm finally grasping finances. I'm finally grasping, um, paying attention to that, paying attention to my credit score, like really trying to set my life up to be able to like buy a house eventually and, um, pay my debts off and, you know, live more comfortably. Um, and what happens is, we go to college. That's what we're supposed to do. You get a degree so you can get a good job. Right. Um, and you graduate and I've been finding out that I'm actually, I'm freaking out about like my $35,000 in student loan debt. Um, but there's people with a lot more like hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan debt. And when you're signing up for this, like, yeah, they provide like one of my schools provided classes for me, on like what this is going to look like later, how much your payments are going to be later, what your interest is going to look like. And I didn't pay fucking attention. I was like, eh, I'll figure it out when in four years when that time comes. In four years, I'm going to be in such a different place in life. Like I'll be able to do this no problem. Um, and what happens is we graduate college. And if you're not studying like math or science or something like really niche, um, you get out of school and your base pay is 35k a year and i mean it depends where you're living like in wisconsin i was paying 500 a month for rent in colorado i'm paying upwards of 900 um and and so like you don't think about this when you're signing up for these student loans and you don't think about okay this is going to add you know 100 to 300 dollars extra a month of payments for me and it's going to take me 15 years to pay this off while interest accrues um, you think like oh i'm going to graduate college and i'm going to get a really high paying job it's going to be fucking awesome um, and when you graduate with a $35,000 salary and you have a car payment, health insurance, car insurance, student loan payment, rent payment, um, what else do I have? I, well, I have a lot of payments, but you might have like a credit card payment or like a personal loan or something like that. Um, you just don't 
conceptualize when you're 18 signing your life away for college that these things are going to cost a lot of money and add up and um and that salary just really isn't feasible and the thing that blows my freaking mind around all of this is our parents (laughs) I don't know like if your parents are together divorced whatever but parents who or kids whose parents were together it wasn't unusual for the man to work and the woman to stay home and raise the kids while being an upper middle class family, while affording a a really pretty nice house and a couple kids and the mom's not working. And this isn't abnormal. Like I I see it in a lot of different families and I've talked to, to different friends about it and how that's just not feasible for us at all. Um, our social security is not going to exist by the time we would need it. So like we have really no retirement set up unless you're paying into it, which a lot of jobs don't really offer any matching or any kind of situation to help set you up to be able to stop working one day. Um, It's just a lot of jobs, like some jobs that I've had that say, oh yeah, we provide health insurance. It's, they provide half of it. And then you still have to pay, you know, two, $300 a month for your health insurance. So it's like all of these little things that I feel like were a more normalized thing for our parents' generation, we are not getting right now. And, and I don't know, like, I don't have a ton of wealth of knowledge around all of this, but, um, but I mean, like pensions and all that kind of thing is just not really, it doesn't really exist for us. <clears throat> and so we are navigating through this life as millennials coming out. And in this article, in this video, they're talking about how like the 2008 recession has really affected us a lot in these years um, where the job market crashed and you know, pay wasn't as high and all these people in these special industries like fashion and law were having to switch their careers and find just whatever job they could find because you got to work, right? To pay your bills, especially out of college when your student loans start rolling in. And so what's happening is people are getting underpaid or they're not working in their field and which to me creates this lack of purpose. And I talk a lot about how I think having purpose in life is really crucial to solving depression or not falling into a deep depression. Because when I was in my most depressed, I felt so purposeless and so lost. And so like, where is my part in this world? Where, where, what part do I play? What aspect do I play in this, um, world and I want to be a part of it and I want to be a happy, loving part of it. And where, where do I belong in that? And I think with, as millennials, not only do we have this, this plan set in front of us of like, graduate high school, go to college, get a good job, you know, the white picket fence, the family, get married. And some people that I know, like a lot of people are on that path and they're doing really well. And that's awesome. But then there's some of us that like, don't like that path. We're like, wait a second, why does this have to be laid out like this? And then I'm living my life to retire. And then when I retire, I can actually live my life. But then like my body's not going to be able to provide me (laughs) exactly like where I want to go with this freedom. Um, So I think this is causing a lot of mental stress that we're not realizing 
is building up. And then, you know, people are just starting from the 2008 recession. And this didn't affect me too much because I graduated high school in 2010. But anyone graduating college um, in 2008 to 2010, this really, really affected their lives and their careers and their paths that they thought that they were on and that were solidified. Um, So we have this weight in our minds constantly about paying, like carrying this debt, carrying this debt on our shoulders and the stress on our shoulders of having to pay off huge lump sums of money. And that's why the younger generation is so behind Bernie and so behind more social um, constructs of the government. It's because like, we can't afford um, really good healthcare, or some of us can't, I guess. And we can't afford dumping a bunch of money into a retirement plan. And we can't afford a down payment on a house. And we can't afford a big, beautiful wedding. So it's just like this construct of what the ideal life is that's laid in front of us. And then to feel like we're following the rules to a T and and this is not going to happen. It, it's just, I think it's this burden that's really heavy on people's minds without them realizing it, that it's really there. Um, because, I mean, our parents, when they went to school, unless it's like a private school or something, it was it was like maybe a fourth of the price. I think my dad was telling me it was like 4000 a year or something for him to go to school, which... I think is a lot more possible than like $30,000 a year, especially if you're out of state or if you're not going to a state school or if you're going to a private school or a really like Yale, Harvard, something like that. And it's just, it's such a fucked up system. And then you have all this interest building throughout trying to pay. It's literally like highway robbery. It it like blows my freaking mind. You want to get educated because education gets you further in life, they say, and it makes you more knowledgeable. And it it has a really important social aspect to it too and connections um, for down the line. And I, I really believe it's like, yes, it's who you are and the knowledge you have, but also it's really a lot about who you know and who you can connect with and networking. Um, And so I think we're all just feeling like backhandedly slapped in the face. Like you tell me to go do this and now it's really affecting my life. Um, And I mean, for me, it's like, there's been points where I haven't been making enough money to pay all my bills and my rent and everything where I have to then use my credit card. And I put myself in, you know, $10,000 worth of credit card debt, paying rent and buying groceries because my paycheck was just paying my bills. It wasn't paying any sort of outside expense. Um, And then for me, I'll just like kind of go into my story. It's so I moved to Boulder and then I got a job managing a European wax center. Um, And I was like, cool manager, I get a salary. This is going to be awesome. And then when my paycheck started rolling in and it was like $600 a week, so $2,400 a month and my bills are $2,300 a month. I was just like, okay, this isn't exactly what I thought it was. And then I was going to pick up a second job um, to be able to compensate and like pay for my life. And um, the owner of the place told me I couldn't get a second job because they needed me basically on call 24 seven. And I was just like, well, this isn't going to work then because I can't afford to pay my bills. 
um, which threw me back into the service industry because serving, obviously, if you work weekends and nights, you make pretty good money. I mean, you can make two, 300 bucks a shift, um, sometimes 80, but like, you know, there's good days in there. And that was like, I was making more money serving than I was in like a salaried career position, um, which got me stuck there for 10 years. Um, and I kept saying to myself, like, okay, you know, this isn't going to be forever. This isn't going to be forever. What's my next plan? Um, and just realizing like, oh man, what if I'm a career server and nothing against career serving. It's just not what I, that was not where my passion resided. That was not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, and there was a point there where I was working 17 hours a day, seven days a week, and like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I could pay off my credit card. Like I can slowly pay off my credit cards. This is awesome. But then like, where is your life? Like we're in the United States. We like, what is it? We live to work. Like we work all the time. We don't work to live. Um, and I know a lot of people are in the same boat where they have multiple jobs to pay their bills or like trying to battle that credit card debt or student loan debt. And I think the generation below us just kind of like, or I guess above us looks at us like, okay, you're super lazy, like work harder or do better or learn more or go get more schooling or whatever. And it's just, it doesn't, they just don't grasp the concept of what we're going through because they haven't went through that. And their life was, it looks a little, a little bit different than ours. The other thing that blew my freaking mind was right when quarantine hit, I was thinking about going back to school because um, I have my associates and I'm like two years away from a bachelor's degree, basically. Um, and I was looking at Naropa in Boulder, which is a private school, <laughs> kind of a little hippy dippy, but like super awesome, super cool concept. You can kind of build your own um path your own bachelor's degree it's it's really amazing school got accepted of course because it's a private school so I think they pretty much accept everyone but um when I sat down and like looked at the finances around it which has taken me years to even be able to do but I sat down and I was like okay I'd be spending x amount of money on school which would put me you know, twice as much in student loan debt. And then I would graduate. And like the specific thing I had to do was look up what the average salary in Colorado for the, I wanted to do like art therapy, um, what my salary would be average in that aspect. And it was the same fucking amount that I'm making serving. So why would I go back to school full-time while I worked full-time <laughs> to still pay for my life? Cause obviously you can't just put your bills on hold. Um, to then be making the same exact amount I was. And granted, yes, like maybe I would be happier in that career. I didn't want to be serving anymore, but then I'm doubling my student loan debt and making the same amount. So it's just like the system is so broken. Like I don't, it like blows my mind that if someone is saying, I want to go get more educated and like be more part of this society and like use my knowledge to better the society why is that not accessible for everyone we have free public school we should have free public college um it, it's just everything and i think we're realizing this a lot more through um you know quarantine and stuff that everything is set up for the the wealthy like literally the world set up for the wealthy healthcare if you 
but like someone that doesn't have a lot of money, maybe doesn't have health care, they get really sick. They're not going to go to the doctor. They're not going to want to go put, like have you know, $100,000 of medical bills looming over their head. Whereas someone who has really good health care and has, you know, the means can go to like a Mayo Clinic and get the best care possible. And like, for example, um, one of my clients, her husband had a lung transplant and um, A, lung transplants are really rare. B, they're really hard to get up on the donor list. Um. And because they had the means, he was able to go to a Mayo Clinic, get higher on the donor list and get the lung transplant and live. Whereas if that was someone who was living more in a poverty stricken area or even lower income, that would not be possible. Um, I just have so many examples of this of like, and people will say to me, like, I know I'm so blessed and we were so fortunate to be able to have this happen to our family. But to me, it's just like, why... Can one life, because you have more money, have a higher value than someone else's life because they have less money? And so it's just this whole rat race of a game of how do I make more to be able to take care of myself better? And I think it's, you know, it's growing up in that is is really powerful growing up in a more powerful family, being able to go to college and supported by your parents while you're going to school, which is another thing of like having to work while you're in school is pretty fucking gnarly. Um, So, you know, people who family paid for their college, paid their rent while they were in college, like maybe they had to have like a little bit of a side job for some side money. But I mean, I went to, um, I was in Santa Barbara. I went to the city college there, but a lot of my roommates and stuff went to UCSB and their parents paid their college and their rent and, you know, their food and everything. So they could a hundred percent focus on their schooling. And then when they get out with their bachelor's degree, they're not getting out of college in a massive amount of debt. They're getting out of college with a clean slate and the ability to build up um, that savings account or build up. You know, like if I didn't have student loans um, and I wasn't paying, you know, $300, $400 a month into student loans, that would be an epic amount of money to be able to put in a savings account or a retirement plan. Um, So it's just, I think this is really going to fuck shit up for many years because how do you get ahead? I've heard some people graduate, you know, law school or med school or something like that. And their interest rate is so high. They like graduate with $80,000 of debt. They've been paying for five years. Now they're in $120,000 of debt. So it's just, it's just like, how, how does this make any sense? Um, And I think with, you know, like Bernie being like, okay, we need to wipe student loan debt. We need to have universal health care. It scares a lot of older people, older generations, because they're like, wait, like we did it. We did it. It's fine. They can figure it out. And it's just not the fucking same. So we have all these burdens on our shoulders. We have, do we get an education? Do we not? Do we put ourselves in debt? Do we not? And honestly, the people I know that didn't go to college are in a much better financial place than I am right now, which is really interesting. And I think a lot of, um, a lot of places now like Google, um, and like bigger companies like that aren't requiring a bachelor's degree anymore. It's more experience, which is the other thing that I need to talk about. Um, 
if you went to college and your parents paid for everything, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm, I'm very jealous of you all. Like, I wish that would have happened for me, but it didn't. And like, I learned a lot from it, but you know, here I am talking about student loan debt um, <laughs> and how it's affected my life. But these people that didn't go to college or that had everything paid for, I, I just feel like are just set up for so much more success. Um, I kind of forgot that where that was going for a second. But anyway, so I think that we all carry this burden of like, okay, we need to go get an education to be able to get a good job. And then we just don't think about the repercussions because I mean, college was a fantastic experience for me. I learned so much. I was so deep into art and it was so amazing. And I like literally loved it. I loved the people. I loved the art department. It was awesome. Made so many friends and stuff. So I will never regret going and doing that. But I just, I mean, work going to school full time, especially art, because on top of your hour and a half classes, um, you're required to be in a lab for X amount of hours a week um, and working on your stuff. And I know like they're studying and stuff like that in other uh, classes like you know chem chemistry and <laughs> stuff like that but um so you're are you're spending time outside of school but can you imagine you're going to school full-time or I was taking like 18 credits I think when 12 is um technically full-time and then you're working full-time on top of that to be able to pay your bills and just like that in itself is in absolute insanity to me because how do you focus fully on school and doing well and learning and then for me I like I was leaving school around three o'clock to go work till two in the morning and then sleeping a little bit and then getting up um, and going back to school and then working all weekends it was just exhausting absolutely exhausting and I feel like it's still that way because you're working two, three jobs to pay your bills. I just, I think these repercussions of the things that are happening right now are really going to affect things in 10 years. Um, another thing is like, so you get a credit card and you know, you're, you're not making that much money. And so then you put yourself in credit card debt (laughs) and that's just like a whole nother payment that you don't think about accruing interest or how long it's going to take you to pay off. Because if you have, I think it's like a $10,000 loan with like 7% interest or something. You're paying like $300 a month on that to pay that off within five to 10 years. And you don't wrap your head around that thing when you're swiping your credit card. So between credit card debt and student loan debt and health insurance and all of the things, it's just like, wow, I feel like you can't really survive without a $45,000, $55,000 salary or income. Um, And it's just a scary thought because the base pay is not keeping up with the increase in housing prices, in food prices, in just everything in general. Um, So, you know, when we're talking about a $15 an hour minimum wage, it's like, well, yeah, (laughs) I mean, unless 
our economy wants to collapse eventually because no one can afford to buy a new house and everyone's renting and no one's having big lavish weddings. It's like, this is going to trickle down and affect all these different things. And these are just my opinions about it. I mean, I could be completely off and wrong. Um, and you know, every people could be like, stop being such a little baby and suck it up and just pay your fucking bills. But, um, but I think it's this burden we carry in our minds that we don't really realize we're carrying. And I think it's causing a lot more mental health issues and a lot more depression. Um, and yeah, it's just, I mean, it, it, a lot of people I've talked to don't even want to sit down and look at their finances. They're too stressed out to even sit down and look at it (laughs) to figure it out. Um, a lot of people don't understand it. We don't get taught what happens on a credit score or like, how your credit score can be affected or like how you can build credit or why you need a credit card in the fucking first place to build your credit that you can whoopsies max out. Um, And so I guess a couple of things I've learned is like, it's really important. And I don't have a spreadsheet. I don't get like that involved. I don't budget my food budget. I don't budget my like play budget. I just kind of, you know, for a lot of my life, I was afraid to look at my bank account. Um, now I'm checking it daily just to make sure, you know, I'm within where I need to be. And then if I have a little extra money, I'll either throw it on a credit card or like buy something that I've been waiting that I kind of need. And obviously we all spend a little frivolously too. And I really try and hone that in and keep that under wraps. Um, but I feel like, you know, splurging on yourself shouldn't be an impossibility. Like you should be able to go buy a couple of new clothing items or, um, a new comforter or a new mattress. If your mattress is hurting your back and old, it's like the, or like a massage twice a month, like these things that are just, um, self-love and care and that we some people can't even feasibly afford something like that it's like they're struggling just to get food on the table it just like blows my freaking mind and I'm fortunate in the aspect that I can spend a little frivolously and like yeah I'm in a lot of debt but um I'm in a much better situation than a lot of people and I feel blessed in that way but it's also really stressful um but sitting down and like looking at what your monthly intake is and what your monthly out, <laughs> like outtake is, um, seeing how much extra money you have per month, what kind of cushion you have. Can you put money in a savings account? Can you open a retirement fund? Um, which I'm 29 and I don't have one. So we'll see what happens. I know that's like something on the horizon I need to work on doing really soon, but um, it's just like, that's the last thing you want to throw your money in when you want to pay your debts off first. The other thing that drives me batshit fucking crazy is credit scores because you will have zero credit score. Like you will have a non-existent credit history. If you don't put your name under something that you're paying off, like a vehicle or something like that, um, my partner, Matt, he's really blessed. His parents set him up, they're accountants. So they set him up for success, but he, they put a bunch of their cards under his name when he was really young. So he had a credit history the second, you know, he was 18. Um, But if your parents don't know to do that or don't want to do that, like then you have no credit. And if you don't have a credit history, you can't buy a car, you can't buy a house, you can't get a loan, you can't exist without cash (laughs) in this world. Um, which is just like, okay, 
So you give an 18 year old a credit card, which I avoided for a really long time. I don't think I got a credit card till I was like 23 or 24 because I knew I would max it out. <laughs> I was like, oh, free money. Cool. I'm going to go shopping. Um, so you give these kids credit cards and the smartest thing to do if you get a credit card or if you haven't had one yet is to put a couple things like a couple consistent bills, maybe your phone bill or something like that on your credit card and pay it off every single month. It'll build your credit. It'll, um, so what happens with a credit card is like, as you use it and prove that you're paying it off and stuff, your limit will go up pretty much every year. Um, and as your limit goes up, your credit score looks better because you're using less of your total debt, um, ratio. Um, and so that can, that's important is not having too much loan debt out of the full amount that you as a human are allowed based on your income and stuff like that. Um, so student loans will be part of that. An auto loan will be part of that. Any personal loans will be part of that. Um, but if you're in like the, I'm using 80% of my allotted loan amount, your credit score is not going to look as good as if you're using 20% or 10%. Um, the other thing is you cannot have more than two inquiries a year. So you can't open more than two cards. You can't open a card and open um, a personal loan or something like that. You can't inquire about um, changing your card or uh, like the balance transfer card things, which is a really great idea. I fucked myself there because... I wanted to get a balance transfer card that was like 18 months, no interest. So I would be able to pay my cards off a little faster and you can hop cards like this as long as you don't do more than two a year. Um, and what happened is I did it online and I didn't really call or do anything. It was just like, cool, balance transfer, whatever. Um, they, they said I would have, you know, like a $3,000 limit, which was perfect because I had about that to transfer over. They charge, I think like five percent or something like that to do the transfer so you pay like 150 bucks or something to transfer the amount over um but i did that and then when i got the card a it wasn't a balance transfer card and b it only had a thousand dollar limit so that docked my credit score because i opened another card and had too many inquiries within a year um you have to be paying your payments on time like if you're looking to build your credit score, get um, a credit app. I use CreditWise, um, so you can continually check that. It'll tell you if you missed a payment on something, so you can kind of be on top of it yourself. Because um, Wells Fargo just fucked me over. <laughs> this is all my. I'm gonna bitch about my adult life um, because I didn't. I had auto pay set up on a student loan. And through COVID, you know, they paused student loans. And this was a private student loan, so it doesn't fall under the federal same laws. Um, but I didn't know it was due. And I found out on CreditWise that it, I was three months overdue, which I've never missed a payment with them. It's always been auto pay. Like, I've been really good. So I called them and I was like, what the heck? I didn't know I had a payment due. Let me pay the balance off right now blah, blah, blah. And they kept saying, oh, we mailed you a letter. We mailed you a letter. But I signed up for paperless in 2017. So I was like, why the fuck would I open your mail if I don't expect to be getting anything from you? I didn't get an email. I didn't get a phone call. Nothing like this is 19 freaking 40 and everyone needs to communicate via mail. Um, that docked my credit score like 100 points. So like you spend years building your credit score, doing super good. And then one thing, one simple thing like that can just 
shred those points away. And I think it'll be better in like a couple of months, but it still is just such a bummer. I'm like, okay, for two years, I've been working so hard to get my credit score up. So like eventually I can buy a house and I can get loans and like, it all looks good. And something like that, you know, just put my two years of work into the dirt. (laughs) So I just, I just, I don't understand it. Like whoever designed this is just, I, I I don't know. Um, So anyway, it's like, we have all these things that I feel like we, if you didn't study finance or accounting in college, you like, or if you were like an art major like me, it's like, you really have no concept around how to navigate this, how to work it out, what to plan for, how interest works and stuff like that. And it's just been, I've had to learn it all through um, just experience and failures and, and growing through those and not being too attached to the outcome or it changing immediately. But so we have all these burdens on us as millennials to do well and, and, provide the best lives for ourselves, but it's really fucking hard to do. Um, And I think a lot of people are really, really, really stressed about it and really at a loss for where to go or what to do next or how to navigate this. Um, Or, you know, you think, okay, I'm going to work my way up the corporate ladder. um, But that takes five, 10 years to get to where, you know, the income you want. And then opening a business is is scary right now. I mean, especially now after COVID, it's like, okay, you see all these small businesses failing and dropping like flies. Why would I want to endeavor in that? So it's going to be really interesting to see over the next few years, what happens and like where this capitalism is going to take us and how these bigger companies are going to take over. And I don't have the answers for how to fix this. I really think helping maybe even cutting people's student loan debt in half or wiping it completely um, or, you know, healthcare would be really like, these would all be really big game changers to set up the economy for a better future. And a lot of people don't see it that way. And think we're moving towards socialism, um, which it's just really funny because if you would talk to anyone in like Germany or Switzerland or Canada or whatever, they'd be like, oh, yeah, healthcare, Yeah. Like that's not a, a left concept. That's not a socialist concept. That's that's pretty normal. Um, and I just think our government is failing us. And like I said, I have no answers for it, but I think a lot of people are in this weird place of just like, okay, what do I do to make enough money to, to be a successful human in the eyes of society? Or I really want to buy a house. How do I get my credit score up? How do I, how do I save enough for a down payment? And how do I navigate that? And um, yeah, so I think these burdens that we have as millennials have um, just kind of been riding on our shoulders and this extra layer of stress as if life isn't stressful enough that people are either avoiding and not looking at or looking at and not knowing how to take the next steps to grow through it. Um, So I think not only is mental health becoming more of an issue and, um, you know, it's harder and harder to pinpoint exactly like what the cause is, um, but it's being, it's not being talked about. And um, related, like the relatability around it. And, you know, it's just, I mean, even like the thought of 
bringing a baby into this world right now is like, okay, childcare is around 20 bucks an hour. That's like me working just to pay for childcare (laughs) or people can't even afford that because they're making less than 20 an hour. I mean, in Boulder, it's been, it's pretty progressive, which I love about this place, but like you can work at Taco Bell and McDonald's and stuff and make $15 an hour. That's like their starting pay, which is phenomenal and super awesome. But I mean, I was on Facebook the other day and one of my old friends from high school who is, um, uh, she's like a dialysis nurse. I think she was saying she makes like 12 bucks an hour. <laughs> I was like, and how do you, how do you survive on that? Like, if you think about that, this is what blows my mind too. Okay. You're making 12 bucks an hour. Minimum wage is seven in some places. I think it's 11 here right now. Lunch. You go to lunch. How much is lunch? It's like 15 to $18 for a sandwich. You want to add a drink to that? 20 bucks. You're looking at 20 bucks per meal. That's two and a half hours of work after taxes just to feed yourself one meal. It's just, it's all insanity to me. And I really don't like, love this topic a lot, but I was just talking to a friend about it and I was like, well, burnout, that's what I'm going to do it on. Everyone's just getting burnt the fuck out. And then the other question is, how do we navigate and care for ourselves when we are feeling burnout? And how do you press the pause button? So we're continually go, 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 going. And go, 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 going is looked at as a positive in our society because the more you go, the more productive you are, the more money you make, the better you are set up for life, the higher you are up in society. (laughs) And the, the, the more success you'll have later, the better you can set your retirement up. And, um, and when do we pause? When do we really actually pause besides when we're sleeping? Like, which a lot of people aren't even getting enough sleep. One of my friends, he's working, he sleeps like two hours a night. Maybe he stays up for like 48 to 72 hours at a time because he's working two jobs right now to try and save some money to be able to move out of his parents' house. Um, I'm just, you're, you're killing yourself slowly when you're not sleeping or self-caring, Um, so where do we pause? (laughs) We're on social media all the time. We're working all the time. We're constantly go, go, going. And, and then people say, okay, well meditate. That's your pause. But is that, then the question is, is that adding more to your to-do list to make you more stressed? Or is that you carving out time to make yourself feel better? Or like go to the yoga class or go work out. And like, yeah, those things feel amazing. And they really set my day up for success and like make my life feel better. But it's just adding more to the things that we have to do in life and like more to our schedule. And so, you know, you leave at eight o'clock for work in the morning, you get up at 6.30, shower, have coffee, whatever. You get home at five, go to the gym from 5.30 to 6.30, cook dinner till, you know, have dinner at, 7 30 and then you're going to bed in an hour and a half it's just like the whole day it's like where is your time to pause and appreciate and nurture and like yes we have the weekends but then I think in your like typical nine to five office kind of thing it's like okay then you live for the weekends and then you pack your weekends with social things or laundry or cleaning or errands or whatever and it's just like when do we have a day to just be um and I think the being is really hard for people because it's not looked at as like 
a productivity thing and we we have to be productive all the time and so no wonder we're fucking burnt out no wonder we don't want to work as much no wonder people see us as lazy it's just like when you have so many tasks on your plate and so much going on in the background of it all as well with bills and finances I mean how are you going to be 100% and show up 100% to anything you do in your life if you are just constantly moving and constantly feeling burned out and constantly stressed. So it's just like, how can we cultivate a lives for ourselves that feels better and allows more time to be? Because we're human beings, not human doings. Um, and for me, it, like right now, it looks like trying to build my business where I'm working 25 hours a week myself. And then I'm on the outskirts for a lot of it. But even the thought to me after doing this and working 25 hours a week to pick up 10 more hours is just like daunting. And I don't even know what I do with my morning. I, I, I get up at like seven and I don't get out of the door till 10 or 11. And, you know, I make my potion, I'll like catch up on social media a little bit, catch up on emails, clean a little, um, take the dogs out, feed them. And before I know it, it's like three hours have dispersed and I'm just like, okay, I don't want to lose this in my life, but for financial reasons, I might have to. So it's like sitting down and cultivating a plan for yourself. And I know it's scary and daunting, but really get clear on numbers that you want to make per hour, per week, per month, per year. Um, Get clear on what you want to be doing and what would give you the most purpose. Because if you find something in your life that makes you feel purposeful, that being productive in that realm will not seem as daunting and overwhelming and as much of a burnout as if you're pursuing something that you actually have passion and purpose around. Um, But it just, for me, it's been a lot of writing numbers down and a lot of crunching numbers and a lot of, okay, this is my income. This is my out. um, This is how much I'm making right now. This is how much I ideally want to be making and just really reminding yourself of that constantly in order to, um, you know, privileged manifest it. (laughs) Um, and also being gentle with yourself. And for me, it's like, when I look at these numbers in full amounts, I get extremely overwhelmed. Whereas if I break it down to payments and years, It doesn't seem as overwhelming. And it's like, okay, this isn't going to be something that happens overnight where I get all this paid off. Like maybe miraculously I'll stumble upon a couple thousand dollars and be able to dump that all, you know, pay off my credit card debt, which would feel fucking amazing. Or, you know, pay off one student loan, which would feel incredible. But it's like, just take it a month at a time, a payment at a time. Understand the, the whole concept, the full number, the interest and everything, but really don't overwhelm yourself with that huge picture and just take it a step at a time and have a plan. Don't miss your payments. Do everything you can to not miss your payments. And another thing is if you are going to miss your payments, call. Usually they're pretty um, awesome if you do call and are like, hey, you know, like this happened. I can pay next month both of these payments, but just like I don't have the means right now. So they won't dock your credit. They know it's coming. They know you're aware of it. They, they'll work with you. So it's important to follow those financial rules in order to set yourself up with your credit for success. Um, I guess I'm giving you all a lesson on the the lessons I've learned about credit. (laughs) Super fun, guys, huh? (laughs) 
Um, yeah. So I think it's just like recognizing when you feel, when you are feeling burnt out and like really cultivating some space for yourself to just be, um, or turn your brain off or, um, just do something that you really enjoy that you feel purpose around like art or reading or something cooking for yourself. I think it's really important to carve that out in your week for you to help prevent so much burnout. I think, really sit down and figure out like, if you do have to pick up a second job, how is this going to work? What's it going to look like? When is your self-care going to be there? When is your rest going to be there? Is this going to be for two years? Is this going to be a year? Like, can I stick it out for that long? Can I do this to have this goal um, of this thing in a year or two? Is there any way I could passively make income or like do a side project of something I love, like sell some stuff on Etsy or, um, you know, grow plants and sell them or um, help someone with a construction project or a moving project or like, can I pick up odd jobs? Can I dog walk? Like, are there other possible realms to make um, make a little bit extra income if you need it without taking on another 20 hours of work a week? Um, because I really think that having your own craft and being able to charge <clears throat> per hour and kind of design it around what your niche is and what you're best helping with is going to be a lot more fulfilling, A, and pay a lot better than getting like a, you know, side side serving job or a side um, job at Target or something like that. <clears throat> and then really sit down and like envision what you want your life to look like in 10 years. And this has been something I talk about a lot is like, okay, in 10 years, I have this beautiful vision. I, I talk to myself about it all the time. I record myself talking about it. I listen to it and just really hold that and like understand that you will get to where you want to be as long as you trust the journey and the process and lean into the uncomfortability and just really understand that you are super strong and powerful and you can get through this. Um, there's a combination between awareness and knowledge and being able to care for yourself in an appropriate way to keep your mental health in peak condition while you navigate what it means to um, be part of society. <laughs> And be in this realm, you know, while still understanding the back end of everything and having the veil be there and not be completely, you know, lifted, but you can see both sides. <clears throat> so I think having a strong um, spiritual practice or foundation, as well as a strong understanding of like what is required of you in this society in order to cultivate success for yourself, if that's what you want. If you want to go live in a community off the grid and not talk to anyone and just do all trades, more power to you, I would freaking love that life. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Burnout, man, it's real. And I think it's really, really starting to affect people. And <clears throat> and making the mental health part of life even tougher than it already is. Um, and so my words of advice for you are just do the hard parts, sit down and really figure it out and really understand what is being asked of you and like how you can keep track of these things better because I understand it sucks and it sucks to look at and it's overwhelming and it sucks to tackle, but it's really important to sit down and actually write down and write out goals and what's happening right now. And are you over or are you under? Do you need different work or um, something on the side? Do you not need it? And don't put yourself in 10 bazillion dollars of credit card debt because I've done it twice now. 
<laughs> You'd think I learned the first time, right? Um, and then I had to take a personal loan out to pay off one of my credit cards. And then I just did it again. But getting ahead of things, <laughs> paying the personal loan down. My credit cards are, I think I have like 3000 left to pay off on them. Um, and that's my first goal is like set goals too of, you know, I'm going to do this first, then this, then this. Um, and yeah, won't it be great to one day be debt free basically, except for maybe a mortgage. Whew, can't wait for that moment. Um, but yeah, just keep your heads up and understand that, you know, the, the super exhaustion and burnout feeling and hopelessness feeling is a con- contributed from our society right now. And you're not alone in it. And a lot of millennials are struggling and not understanding how to navigate this or what to do next or how to get ahead of the game a little bit. So you know, obviously don't take things too seriously because if you have a shit credit score and you don't know what to do next and you're in a bunch of student loan debt, like it will all work out. Um, you just have to trust the process and really lean into trusting that you have the power and the strength to have more awareness around your finances and how to tackle them and how to, um, yeah, cultivate a life for yourself that has the most amount of joy and happiness and love. And like, that is the goal, right? Is how much love can you cultivate within yourself and within those around you? How much happiness, how much joy, how much play? And I think the more we can play around these topics that are a little bit heavier or scarier to look at the more we can play around them and have a little bit more childlike innocence around them the less daunting they seem the less it becomes this burden like weighing you down through your life so that was my financial TED talk for the day (laughs) I hope it was helpful I know this isn't like not a very interesting topic um, but I think it's really important to bring awareness to how to set yourself up for success because, you know, I don't think everyone wants to rent their entire life. I mean, some people do, but like, wouldn't it be nice to be able to paint your walls the color you want and hang art? And I mean, I've had this yoga swing that I've wanted to hang from our apartment ceiling for like two years and I can't do it. I'm just waiting until we move into a house where I can put it on the ceiling. Um, And like, don't you want a yard and a backyard? And, you know, some people don't want that at all, but to me, it's a, it is a goal um, to be able to nest fully in a home that is mine. And in order to do that, I have to pay attention to my finances and my debts and my credit card score and um, have a game plan, you know, a couple year plan. And I always used to be the person I was like, eh, I could be dead in two years. I'm not going to have a two year plan. What are you talking about? And now I'm just realizing like the older I get, like two years really isn't that far away. It feels like really far when, but then you think two years back and you're like, wow, that went by so fast. Um, So I hope that was helpful a little bit. It's just like all these little tidbits of things I've learned over the years of like not to do and to do (laughs) around like getting myself in a financially stable place. And I mean, I, my parents helped me a little bit as I was growing up, but for the most part, I moved out when I was 17 and took care of myself, paid my rent, paid my bills, went to school, paid my school, um, 
I mean, if I was like an emergency and I was like, I don't have rent, can you help me? Like they would, but um, I didn't have the, you know, bank account saved for me when I went to college or, um, you know, that, that like super heavy support through that experience. And like I said, it taught me a ton and I'm so happy about it because I feel like very independent and like I did it myself and I, I have so much gratitude for that. But also it's kind of like, well, it would have been really nice for to graduate with no debt. And also I traveled a ton. I've saved like $10,000 in my life a couple of times and I went and traveled with it. And like, it's another thing people say is like, oh yeah, you could have had that $30,000. You could have paid your student loan debt off, but instead you decided to go to Thailand and Vietnam and Cambodia and Amsterdam and Guatemala and travel around the U.S. and um, do workshops and go learn how to teach yoga and go do sound healing and go get Reiki certifications and stuff. And like that to me is also something that I will never regret in my life of, okay, yeah, I could have a lot less debt right now if I wouldn't have traveled, but I would not trade trade those experiences for the world. So it's like prioritizing what is really important to you and what's feasible and how it's going to work. And don't put yourself in a credit card debt hole. And if you already have make a plan. Um, you can get personal loans where like you can get a little bit of a lower interest rate and put all your credit card debt into a personal loan and pay that off monthly. And then, um, that's another thing. One last thing. Don't lower your credit card limit. That also docks your credit score because it shows you having a lower amount of debt to debt ratio that used to, to debt that you can use ratio. And it docks some other points on there. And so it looks a lot better to have your credit cards higher because that's what I did. I was like, okay, I'm never doing this to myself again. I'm going to lower all my credit card limits to like two or 3000. And then my credit score got fucked up from it. (laughs) So yeah, really this credit score thing, it just, I just don't, I'm like, you really just want to fuck people constantly. Don't you like right in the asshole. (laughs) Um, But hope that was helpful. I know it's a little bit of a dull subject, not my norm, um, but I really feel like this this situation that we're in as millennials is contributing to a lot of mental health issues on top of everything else. Um, And yeah, so get your finances in order. If if they're not, if you're blessed and don't have to worry about too much of that, um, I'm happy for you and like really bask in that glory because it's a good place to be in. Um, yeah, but I love you all. And I hope that was a little bit helpful for anyone struggling in the financial department and understanding that we are not lazy. We are fucking stressed (laughs) and burnt out. So take some time and do something good for you. But I love you all. And I will be back next week. I think I'm going to have a guest next week talking about um, community and the power of sisterhood. So I hope you all have a beautiful Sunday or whatever day you're listening to this. And again, love, love, love you all. If you have any questions or want to reach out or correct me if I was wrong on something, please do. Um, I'm always open for conversation on Instagram. It's underscore Marmo. But Love you all. Thank you for listening.